many of you have felt some stress in your life in the last several days, right? Come on. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about stress. We're going to be talking about emotions. We're going to be talking about discouragement and depression. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and pull them out or pull out your smartphone and get your LifeGate app and go ahead and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter number 19 because that's where we're going to be today. And while you're turning there, let me just tell you about a couple of things that are coming up here at LifeGate Church over the next few weeks. In fact, let me just tell you this. Today, from today, is six weeks to Easter. Can you believe that? Six weeks to Easter. Spring is here. Easter is just right around the corner. Let me just tell you something about Easter. Easter is actually the greatest opportunity of the entire year as a church to reach our community. Because here's the thing, especially in the South where we live, people will go to church on Easter that wouldn't go to church on any other day, right? And so here's the thing. Here at LifeGate, every single Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone to church. But Easter is the best Sunday of all Sundays to invite someone to church because your friends and your neighbors and the people that you know will actually come on Easter because it's, hey, everybody got to go to church on Easter. So here's the deal. Because of that, this is the greatest opportunity we have throughout the year to reach people. So when Easter comes along, it's all in on Easter. Easter is like the Super Bowl for church, right? So we're already planning and preparing because we know this is our best opportunity to reach your neighbors and your friends. So here's what here's what we're going to do. Last year on Easter, we had four Easter services, Saturday night, three Sunday morning. And on Easter, we had a little over 800 people who came to church at LifeGate on Easter. That's pretty cool, right? I thought it was cooler than that, but I think it's pretty cool. And here's the deal. In those four services, we had a little over 800 people. At that time, we were averaging a little less than 400 people on a normal Sunday. So we did a little more than double the amount of people that normally come on a Sunday. And in those four services, our sanctuary seats about 200 people. So if you're going to have 800 people in four services, how many know all of those were full, right? So here's the deal. Now we are actually averaging around 500 on a Sunday. Last Sunday, we had a little over 550 people on a Sunday. So here's the deal. In order to in order to reach the people that we want to reach, I believe that this year we could actually for the first time ever as a church break through that thousand barrier on Easter. How many believe we could do that? I think that we could. I think that we could. And here's the deal. In order to do that, we are going to actually this year have five Easter services. That's right. Count them five Easter services. I know you're freaked out. I'm freaked out a little bit too. All right means I might have to preach five times. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have two services on Saturday night, one at 4 o'clock, and then we're going to have an Easter egg hunt right after that, and then another one at 6 o'clock. Then on Sundays, we'll have our Sunday of Easter. We'll have our normal Sunday times at 9, 10, 25, 11, 50 with an Easter egg hunt after the 11, 50 service. And I believe that we're going to reach people like we have never reached and before we even have an opportunity to break through an incredible milestone for us as a church, right? So if we're going to do that, we're going to need all the Everybody say all in. All in. Every single one of you, we are going to need your help if we're going to do this. In fact, this is what this means. If you are not already volunteering and serving in some area in the church for that one weekend, we need your help, all right? We need you to serve as a greeter, as an usher in different areas. We'll be letting you know a little bit more about how you can do that. If you are already serving in some volunteer role in the church, here's what we're going to need for that one weekend. We're going to need you to serve twice, okay? We actually teach around here. We just ask you to serve one service 
service and attend one service, but for Easter weekend, we're going to need you to serve two services and attend one, right? And then this is what we're going to need everybody to do. So everybody say, everybody. Everybody needs to invite someone. In fact, you have six weeks to start doing this, to start praying for and inviting your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and people that you want to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do my best to share the message of Easter and what that's all about. And I'm believing, God, that on that day we're going to break the milestone. But more important than that, we're going to see your neighbors and your friends and people that you love that are going to come to know Jesus Christ and lives are going to be changed because that's what we're all about here. Here at LifeGate, all right? Are you in? If you're in, say, I'm in. I'm in. All right, let's jump into the message today. First Kings chapter 19. We're going to talk about emotions. And I know some of you who are my leaders and my volunteers right now, you're going to need this message after the announcements I just made, all right? Because the truth is we all struggle with emotions, right? As adults, I would say that emotions might be one of the biggest struggles that we face in our lives. All the responsibilities that we carry as moms and dads and and as, as husbands and wives and in our work and all these different responsibilities can weigh heavenly and can can truly affect our emotions. But on the other hand, our emotions can actually affect how we do and the responsibilities that we have as adults. How many know what I'm talking about? So let's just do a little survey here today. I need all audience participation today. I'm just going to name a few different emotions. And if you have faced these emotions in the last seven days, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you in the last seven days have felt happy? Raise your hand. Come on, all over the room. Put them down. How many of you in the last seven days have felt sometime when you felt sad? Raise your hand. Come on. All right, put them down. How many of you have felt angry in the last seven days? How many of you have felt worried in the last seven days at some point? How many of you have felt frustrated at some point in the last seven days? How many of you have felt fearful or anxious at some point in the last seven days? How many of you felt disappointed at some point in the last seven days? How many of you have felt hopeful at some point, right? How many of you have felt discouraged? How many of you have felt joyful? Man, you guys are a mess, I'm telling you. Y'all are messed up people. And here's the deal, like the emotions of life run the gamut, don't they? And sometimes it's not just in the last seven days, sometimes it can be in the last seven minutes. Like, right? I mean, sometimes in the last seven seconds, like I felt angry, I felt scared, I felt all of these different emotions. And the truth is that emotions have a profound effect upon our lives. In fact, I was just kind of brainstorming a few different ways that our emotions affect our lives. And I just listed out a few. If you're taking notes, you might write these down. The first one is this, is that emotions affect our decisions. How many have ever made an emotional decision before? Raise your hand, right? Come on, right? And some people say, well, don't make emotional decisions. But here's the truth about it is that every decision is an emotional decision. There's emotion that's involved in some way in every decision that we make. And the problem for so many of us is this is that we make long-term, sometimes even permanent decisions based upon temporary emotions, right? You just said that you've had all those different emotions in the last in the last seven days. And so many times we make decisions according to how we feel at the time, but those decisions affect us for a long, 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 long time, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're driving a car that you made an emotional decision. You got that new car smell all up in your nose, right? And you felt like, oh, it's going to be great. And now you're paying $700 a month for the next six years on that thing, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Because our emotions affect our decisions. Number two, write this one down. Our emotions affect our relationships. 
Isn't that true? Right? How many of you have ever had, you know, problems in your marriage or with your kids or with someone that you love because you had a bad day? Come on, raise your hand, right? Some of you are like, that happened on the way here, right? Like, we're in the car and I'm yelling at the kids and then we get to church and then it's all of a sudden I got the church face. Hey, brother, how you doing? Praise the Lord, right? When I was just yelling at my wife in the car. You know who you are. You know who you are. Because here's the deal is they affect our relationships. The way we feel affects that. Number three, write this one down. The way we feel affects our work. Have you noticed that? How many have ever had one of those days where you just didn't feel like going to work, right? Some of you are just like, I just didn't go to work because I didn't feel like it, right? Some of you called in sick. You weren't sick. You just didn't feel like going to work. In fact, even nowadays, they do these things at some, at some jobs that they call uh, emotional health day. And the reason they do that, some of you are like, I wish they'd do that at my job. But the reason they do that is because we realize that, man, our emotions affect our work. They affect our ability to be productive. Number four, write this one down. Emotions affect our health. Man, this is so true. Especially negative emotions, anxiety, discouragement, depression, fear, these kind of things. Studies have actually shown that they can actually affect us in our health, in our physical body, not just emotional, but physical. So here's the deal. If emotions have such a profound effect upon our lives, how many would agree with me that we need to learn how to get our emotions under control? And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. We're going to deal with some of these negative emotions. We're going to talk about a guy in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, a guy that might be familiar to some of you. He was a powerful man of God in the scripture. He was a prophet, a man of, of great faith, a man by the name of Elijah. So everybody say Elijah. Elijah. Elijah, man, God used him in incredible ways to prophesy. I'm telling you, like Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then when God told him to pray for rain, he prayed for rain. And after not raining for three and a half years, he prayed and God sent the rain. I'm telling you, this was a guy who knew how to touch God. This was a guy who one time he prayed and called fire to come down from heaven. I'm telling you, a guy who was full of faith and full of power, a guy who had some spiritual highs. And yet this guy, even though he loved God and even though God used him in incredible ways, he experienced some very difficult and dark emotional lows. In fact, we're going to see this in this passage that we're looking at today, that just after Elijah calls fire down from heaven, he finds himself having a pity party. Now, how many have ever had a pity party before, right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm having a bad day. I ain't getting out of bed today. I'm going to stay in bed, pull the covers over my head, turn on the country music, and feel sorry for myself, right? And this is what happens with Elijah. In fact, let's take a look at it in 1 Kings chapter number 19. Let's, let's read it together beginning in verse number 3. It says, And Elijah, or Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might, what? That he might die. He said, I've had enough. 
Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Here's a guy who just comes off of an emotional high and now finds himself at an emotional low in the pit of discouragement and despair, even to the point of depression, saying, I'd rather just die than feel the way that I am feeling right now. Some of you are here today and you can relate to Elijah. In fact, some of you are here today and you're a Christian. You love God and you have a relationship with God and God uses you in incredible ways and yet you still struggle with this area of emotions. In fact, it's a big deal for, for all of us. In fact, it's, it's, studies have even told us that one out of every 10 Americans deals with some form of depression. 10%. Not only that, but 40 million Americans, that is about 18% of all of the adult population in America, deals with some kind of an anxiety disorder. Emotions, a big deal, even even for Christians, even for people who love God. So what I want to do today is I want to look at Elijah's story, and I want to just kind of look at how did Elijah get to this place of discouragement and despair, and then I want to talk about how did he get out of that place of discouragement and despair. So if you're taking notes today, I'm just going to give you three tips on how to get depressed, all right? Three tips on how to be depressed. The first one is simply this. If you want to be depressed, here's what you need to do. You need to wear yourself out. Just get so busy. Do so much stuff that you become completely exhausted. In fact, this is what we see happen with Elijah. I mean, you see over and over, you, go, you should go back and read the story of Elisha, or Elijah in the book of 1 Kings, and you'll see that over and over, this guy was fighting a spiritual battle, that God would speak to him, he would pray, he would obey God, he would step out in faith, and then God would come through. And then again, God would speak to him, and he would do something difficult. He would obey, he would pray, he would believe God. And over and over and over and over to the point where he was spiritually exhausted. But not only that, but he wasn't just exhausted in the spiritual, he was exhausted in the physical. Like if you, if you study a little bit about his journeys, you will see that just in a short amount of time that he covered a whole bunch of different places, that he went from the very far northern tip of the country all the way down on foot, all the way down to the very far southern tip of the country and out into the desert to the place where not just emotionally and not just, phys- or not just spiritually, but even physically he was at the place of complete exhaustion and the truth of the matter is some of you this is the way you live your life you got so much going on that you are completely worn out man you're working a job you're taking care of kids you're running them back and forth to school and back and forth to soccer practice and to dance recital and you're on the pta board and you're taking classes and you're and you're serving at the church and you got all of this stuff that is going on your calendar is full every single night with all this stuff that you think is so important and you think you have to do and you wonder why you feel so discouraged Why? Because you're exhausted. You're worn out. And not just physically, but sometimes it can even be mentally and emotionally to the place where some of you are even like, you're one of those people who just say, I got to do it all. And I got to do it all for everybody else. And I can't have have a bad day or a down day because I got to be strong for everyone else. And you carry all of these things upon your shoulders to the point where you are completely worn out and you wonder why you're struggling in your emotions. 
If you want to be, if you want to be depressed, just wear yourself out. Number two, write this one down. If you want to get depressed, here's what you do. Here's what Elijah did is, is you don't just wear yourself out. You shut everybody else out. In fact, this is what we see with Elijah. Here he's got this servant that has traveled with him in all of these different travels. But then look what he does in verse number three. It says, and he left his servant there and he went to be what? Everybody say it aloud. He went to be alone in the wilderness. What did he do? Like he said, hey, I'm feeling down. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and be by myself. And isn't that what we do so many times when we're having a low day, when, when we're emotionally struggling? What do, we, what do we tend to do? We tend to isolate ourselves. And when we get ourselves isolated, you know what we do? We open ourselves up for the attack of the enemy on our mind and on our emotions and on our spirits. And here's what happens is when we're discouraged, let me just tell you something. The guest list for a pity party is really short. <laughs> it's a party of one. And so many times this is what we do. We shut everyone else out. The people that love us, the people that could help us, the people that could encourage us. But when we get to that place of being stressed or when we get to that place of feeling discouraged or feeling emotional, we don't want anybody else around us to try to pick us up because we're enjoying feeling down. How many know what I'm saying? And if you really want to get depressed when you're, when you're low, just shut everybody else out. Wear, your, wear yourself out. Shut everybody else out. Number three, write this one down. Stress yourself out. How many know that stress is a great exaggerator? Isn't that true? Like, like, how many know what I'm saying? Like, when you're stressed, everything seems bigger than it really is. Like, stuff that probably normally wouldn't bother you or normally wouldn't be a big deal, but when you find yourself stressed or when you find yourself emotional, suddenly that thing that you thought wasn't a big deal, then it becomes a big deal because stress exaggerates everything. And this is exactly what we see happen with Elijah. Here he is. He's worn out. He shut everybody else out. He goes, he sits under this tree, going to have himself a little pity party. And then look what he does. He exaggerates. In verse number 10, he says, I'm the only one left that's still serving you. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Somebody call the ambulance, you know. And so many times that's what we do. He's like, hey, I'm the only one left that still loves God. I'm the only one left that's still trying to do good. I'm the only one. And this is what, this is what stress and anxiety, this is what these emotions, these negative emotions do in our life. They cause us to exaggerate. And suddenly things that weren't a big deal become a big deal. Here's Elijah, and he's saying, I'm the only one left that's still serving you. And God says, no, you're not. There's still 7,000 others who have still not yet bowed their knee to Baal. And yet it seems so real to Elijah. And here's the deal is that emotions may not be true, but they still seem real at the time. You know what I'm saying? And we exaggerate these things when we're in these moments of emotions. And here's what we do. We find ourselves saying stuff like, I'm the only one. Or it's always going to be this way. Or it's never going to be better. When we find ourselves using words like only and always and never, guess what? That's a clue that you are in that dangerous moment in your emotions. Because here's the deal. I've told you this before, but it's so important. Nothing is ever, always, or never. It's not. But we say, oh, I'm always going to be this way. It's never going to be better. My job is always going to be this way. I'm never going to climb the ladder. My finances are always going to be this way. I'm never going to get ahead in my finances. I'm always going to feel this way. It's never going to be better. And you know what that is? It's an exaggeration. And the enemy causes us to exaggerate in those moments to begin to heap those feelings of discouragement 
upon us. In fact, I like what Pastor Gerald Brooks said about it. He said, never add doom to your gloom. Here's the deal. There are going to be some gloomy days, you know? I mean, today is kind of a gloomy day. You get up and it's cloudy outside. And you're going to have those days sometimes when you just feel down. But the problem is, is that even though we all have those days, here's what we tend to do sometimes is we tend to add doom to the gloom. Like, I'm having a bad day, so it must be a bad life. And here's what happens. When you add doom to your gloom, you know what you do? You add weeks to your days. And you, add, and you add months to your weeks. Instead of just having a bad day, you know what happens is you have a bad week. And then you have a bad month. And then you have a bad, you have a bad life. And it's all because we exaggerated. And there comes a time when we've got to realize, hey, I'm feeling this way at the time. But this feeling is not a permanent feeling. In fact, I like what someone said. They said, it's okay every once in a while to sit on the, on the pity potty as long as you don't sit there long enough to get ring around the hiney. Come on, that's good right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny. That's funny. So what do I do? Everybody say, what do I do? What do I do? If I find myself feeling these negative emotions, how do I get out of this place that I find myself in? Well, I think we can see three things from Elijah. The first one is simply this, is you got to remind. Everybody say remind. You got to remind yourself. You know what the problem was for Elijah? He forgot. He forgot what God had already done. I mean, how could he forget? I mean, think about it. I mean... Incredible miracles that God had done through him. He had just called fire down from heaven, right? And here he is feeling sorry for himself. And why did he feel sorry for himself? Because he forgot that the same God who had done it before could still do it again in his life. And don't we do the same thing so many times? Like when we find ourselves discouraged, isn't the biggest problem the fact that we've just forgotten, hey, God did it in the past. Don't you think he can still do it again, right? Come on. But we we so easily forget when we find ourselves in a difficult situation or we find ourselves discouraged, we easily forget. And so what we have to do is we have to learn to remind ourselves. And you know what this means? This means sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Everybody say preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Let me just tell you something. Some of the best sermons that I've ever preached, y'all never even heard. You know why? Because I didn't preach them to y'all. You know who I preach them to? To myself. And I'm telling you, it's good, man. I say amen. I laugh at the corny jokes. I mean, sometimes before I get up here to preach to y'all, I have to preach to myself, all right? And here's the deal. Some of you need to learn how to preach to yourself because you know what? I'm not always going to be there to preach to you. And you got to learn how to encourage yourself. You've got to learn how to remember what God has done. In fact, this is what Jude was talking about in Jude 1. Look what he says. He says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Spirit. Man, that's the reason that God gave us the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit so that we can build ourselves up when we're discouraged and when we're down. We preach to ourselves. We remind ourselves that, hey, the same God who did it then can still do it today in my life. You're going to remind yourself. Number two, here's what you're going to do. You're going to refuel. Everybody say refuel. This is what we see happen with Elijah. Elijah's worn out. He's discouraged. He's tired. He's depressed. He feels like even taking his own life. But then look what happens in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 5. And then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. 
And when he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around there beside his head with some bread baked on hot uh, stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Here we find Elijah in a place of discouragement, in a place of despair. And what did he do? Well, the Bible says he did two things. First of all, he laid down and slept. Some of you, if you're discouraged, the reason you're discouraged is you're worn out. And here's your permission. All right, I'm going to give you permission today. The permission is this, to take a nap. Not during the sermon. Okay, I see some. Some of y'all think I don't see you. I see you. I do. Not during the sermon. But go home today. You know what? The church, you know what Sunday is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a day of rest. Go home. Rest. Take a nap. If you can't do it on Sundays, do it. find some day during the week where you rest. Because here's the deal. When we are physically worn out, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be emotionally in a, in a not good place. And so you've got to lay down. You got to rest. You got to get some rest at night. Some of y'all staying up all night long watching Netflix or whatever, and you wonder why you're discouraged and depressed and tired all the time. It's because you're not getting enough rest. Lay down. Rest. Don't lay down on your neighbor. Lay down when you get home and rest. Number two, though, look what he did. He didn't just lay down and rest. He got up and ate. Some of you go, I got that down because when I'm depressed, I can eat a whole bucket of ice cream. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not necessarily talking about physical food, although some of you, the reason that you're dealing with some discouragement and some emotional issues might be the food that you're eating because it really does affect how we feel. Come on, I'm talking to myself today too. But I'm not so much talking about physical food as I am talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about soul food. I'm talking about what, what are you feeling, filling your soul with? Some of us, when we get discouraged, man, we just veg out and play video games all day long or read the romance novel or do a, you know, do a whatever, a binge on Gilmore Girls on Netflix. That'll discourage you right there, I'm telling you. <laughs> Would me. Sometimes I'm funny, don't even know it, I'm telling you. And you know what we do? We fill ourselves, our lives up full of all this stuff that we think is going to make us feel better. And it might make us feel better for a day, but it won't do something for what's going on deep down in the soul. And some of us, man, you know what we really need? When we're feeling discouraged and depressed, we need to pick up the Word of God. And we need to begin feeding ourselves upon something that can actually not just change how we feel in the moment, but can change what's happening down in our souls. We need to start memorizing and meditating on. Maybe you'd even take some scriptures from your, from your version Bible app and put them on your phone so you can see them as your screensaver. You'd write them down on a card and you'd put them up on the mirror or on your car or uh, on the dash of your car so that somehow you remind yourself. In fact, I just gave you a little starter kit in your notes. I don't have time to read all of those. But if you're discouraged and if you're down, you can take some of these scriptures that I put in your notes and you can meditate and feed upon those things to refuel your soul. What are we going to do when we're discouraged? We're going to remind our soul. We're going to refuel, refuel our soul. But then number, number three, write this down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to re-engage. Everybody say it. Re-engage. re-engage. We're going to re-engage. Here's what happens with Elijah. Elijah's discouraged. He's down. But then what happens is he gets some rest. 
and he gets some fuel for his soul, and he gets reminded that God is good even when my situations aren't good. And then, then what happens that, that, that Elijah gets up from where he is, and he gets back into what God has called him to do. In fact, in verse number 15, look what it says. And the Lord said to him, go back the way that you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, the king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, the king over Israel, and anoint Elisha. Here's what, here's what God tells him to do. He says, hey, I want you to get back to what I called you to do. It's all right to have a bad day, but it's not all right to have a bad life. It's all right sometimes to feel discouraged, but there comes a point when you got to get back up and get back to work. And here's the deal. Nothing will help you when you are feeling discouraged, like having a purpose to live your life for. Some of you are here today, and the reason you're dealing with emotions so much in your life is that you really don't have a God purpose that you're living for. And if you, if you could just get the calling of God and the purpose that he has for your life, if you, could just, if you could get a hold of what that is, it doesn't mean you won't have bad days, and it doesn't mean there won't be times when you feel down, but it will give you something beyond how you are feeling to actually get up and begin living. Some of you don't know what your purpose is. We want to help you with that. In fact, that's why we have the Life Track every single week. It's happening today is, is week number one, step one of Life Track. If you haven't been through it, what we're trying to do is help you to know how do I know God and how do I know His purpose for my life? And we just ask you, just give us four weeks. Just do it four times, four Sundays, and see what will happen when you truly get a hold of the purpose that God has for your life. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. Some of you are here today. You're struggling with some emotions. Man, it's affecting you. It's affecting how you lead your family. It's affecting how you spend your money. It's affecting the decisions you make. It's affecting your work. It's affecting every area of your life. Some of you have gotten there because you've worked yourself to death. You've stressed yourself out. You've pushed everybody else out. And today would be the day when you need to get to that place where you remember that I may be going through a situation that is bad, but my God is still good. I need to fuel myself with rest and with peace and with the word of God that can build me up in my most holy faith. And I need to re-engage in the purpose that God has called me to live out. And I'm telling you, that'll change your life.